it's another story time summary overview with once again see you in history and mythology and today's story we'll be looking at the lord of thunder zeus olympus king and uh, the very sad stories of all his lovers so strap into the train because we are taking a ride down olympus with this very nice narrators but before we begin the narration remember this to all social medias and youtube will be down below or to the left depending on wherever you're listening from and uh, leave a review and comment on anchor and on apple google and uh, spotify and we're also available on podchaser you can find me and my channel there so let's begin today's episode story time Today's story time will be focusing on Zeus, Lord of Thunder, the King of Olympus. Yeah, so uh, it's not about him mostly today, it's just about him, his wife, and his variation of lovers, both celestial and human. So um, it will be different stories of different women. We'll start with the most famous one, Europa. and. Uh, We'll go on from there. So I hope you enjoy today's story time. Once again, narrated by Seawin History or Greek Mythology. In the kingdom of Tyre in Phoenicia, there was a beautiful princess. Her name was Europa. She was the daughter of the king Agenor, a descendant of the highest noble Egyptian lineage. The king gave to his daughter a majestic dress. It had once been given to her mother, the nymph Libya, as a present from Poseidon, her lover. The young woman appeared splendorous whilst wearing the dress manufactured by the gods, so much so that her beauty drew the attention of Zeus in Olympus. During the night, the princess had an odd dream. Two divine women were fighting, one with eastern traits while the other looked western, the winner of the clash would be granted the possession of Europa. The western woman won and approached Europa, saying, Come with me. I'm going to take you to a distant land where you will be handed to Zeus. Europa woke up frightened, but unsure if that was just a nightmare or a legit prophecy. By the morning, the princess decided to go for a walk with her friends in the edges of the kingdom. Filled with lust, Zeus spotted everything from high above, and he decided to act. He requested the help of his son Hermes, who steered the king's herd, getting it closer to the girls without drawing much attention. Zeus then became an extremely beautiful white bull and mixed himself with the herd. The young girls quickly noticed the magnificent animal and decided to approach him. The white bull appeared to be docile and gave off a sweet odor. Europa and her friends started to caress his soft loin and felt delighted with such a gorgeous bull. Why don't we ride him? I will be the first, said Europa, already climbing onto the bull. Zeus slowly took the princess around the beach. The young girl was exhilarated with satisfaction. One of her friends said, Now it's my turn. Let me ride him for a bit. 
Zeus trotted faster to distance himself from the other girls and headed towards the sea. The bull and the young girl entered the water. The animal splendidly swam and appeared to be capable of surfing the waves. Europa was thrilled with the experience, but suddenly she perceived that the bull was taking her to the open sea. Afraid, she clung herself to the animal. Scared of ending up drowned, both sailed through the blue sea for a long time. Night arrived, and the bull finally took the young girl to dry land, and then left her. The young girl was desperate, realizing that she did not have a clue where she was. The new day broke, and the poor girl was still alone, and feared that she would never be able to get home again. Europa, hopeless, considered taking her own life. And then Aphrodite, the goddess of love, appeared and said, Do you remember me? I was in your dream, and I earned the right to possess such a young girl here in the West. Frightened, Europa only wanted to know the reason why she was there. Don't be desperate. It was Zeus who kidnapped you. He will take care of you, and you will be the object of his love. With him, you will be honored with an illustrious offspring. Zeus appears and introduced him to the young girl. I am Zeus, Lord of the Olympus, and the land you are standing on was mine since I was born. Its name is Crete, but from now on this glorious island will belong to our offspring. From the union between Zeus and Europa, the brothers Radamantus and Minos, the future king of Crete, were born. The name of Europa was immortalized, as now all the lands of that remote region received her name, which today is known as Europe. The goddess Hera was looking for her husband Zeus, but could not find him anywhere in the Olympus. From the top of Olympus, the goddess looked at a black cloud, which was hovering over the Inachus, and she had no doubt whatsoever that that was the place where her husband was hidden. Zeus had descended to Earth to have yet another meeting with his lover, the princess Io. The young girl noticed that the goddess Hera was getting nearer and warned Zeus about it, who suddenly decided to turn the girl into a beautiful cow. Pretending that she did not notice her husband's trick, the goddess said, Zeus, what are you doing beside that cow? You haven't... No, no, not by a mile, my lovely wife. I'm just admiring the stunning animal. Yes, indeed. It really is a splendorous cow. I want to have it. Without a way out, Zeus could not do anything, and so Hera would take the poor cow with her to the Olympus. When they arrived at the Olympus, the goddess called her lassie Argus who was one of her hundred-eyed creatures. The monster took the beautiful little cow to Egypt, hidden from everyone. There, he let her go, but remained vigilant at all times. Even when he was resting, Argos kept some of his eyes opened, watching the cow-shaped nymph. After noticing Io's disappearance, Zeus asked Hermes to find and kill the creature who had taken her. Hermes walked through every pasture, every field, and every swamp, looking for Zeus's missing cow. The subtle god finally found Argos watching the nymph while she was grazing. The god decided to disguise himself as a shepherd and walk toward both of them as if he did not want anything at all. Hermes approached them playing the flute and the melody pleased the creature. Come here, shepherd, and play more of that instrument for me. The god was playing the instrument and realized that the monster was getting more and more relaxed. 
and every one of his eyes began to close, but he still had a lot of them open. Argos asked about the story of the instrument, and the sagacious Hermes decided to tell the story as if he was saying a bedtime story. When the creature closed his last eye, Hermes hit him with his caduceus, which had the power to throw anyone into a deep sleep. The god unsheathed his sword and beheaded the monster. The nymph was free, but still had the shape of a cow. The goddess Hera, now aware of the death of her faithful servant, decided to honor him by putting each one of his eyes in the feathers of her royal peacock and decided that the nymph could not go unpunished. She ordered the Irenaeans, entities of vengeance, to torture her wherever she decided to go. From that day forward, the poor cow was plagued by a cloud of flies, which never gave her any moment of peace. Tired of the treatment brought by the flies, the cow tumbled down and with her moon begged the gods to put an end to her suffering. Zeus promised to Hera that he would never go after the princess again if she released Io from her punishment. So Hera lifted the young princess's punishment and Zeus gave her former shape back. The only cow resembling trace was the white color of her skin. The people of Egypt, witnessing the transformation, started to worship the young girl as a divine figure. The princess was pregnant of Zeus and gave birth to Epiphus. Both reigned in Egypt for many years. Io started to be revered as the goddess Isis, and her son, Epiphus, was the god Apis and founder of the great city of Memphis. Labia was a chimerical creature in Greek mythology. The figure of a woman with a serpent tail was a source of dread in ancient times. But Lamia was not always like that. She was once a beautiful queen, daughter of Poseidon, who reigned over the region of Libya. Her beauty was so staggering that it caught Zeus's attention, the supreme god of Olympus. And so, she became Zeus's lover. The god and the queen had several children, something that enraged the goddess Hera, wife of Zeus. She got her revenge on the beautiful queen in the most ruthless way possible. Hera was responsible for the death of all children of Lamia. In some versions, the goddess made the mother devour her own children, and on top of that, she was terribly cursed. The young woman was transformed into a half-woman, half-snake creature, which fed herself by devouring children and young people. If that was not enough, the goddess still managed to prevent Lamia from closing her own eyes, and so, the picture of the death of her children was always present, and so she could never rest. But Zeus, feeling sorry for the cursed creature, allowed her to remove her eyes, and so she could finally sleep for some time. With time, Lamia's myth transformed itself, and she started to be seen as a vampire creature, who by means of seduction, attracted young people to her bed and fed on their blood. The medieval folklore transformed Lamia into a sort of boogie creature, and her story was told with the purpose of scaring children. Lamia, despite being a figure who lost relevance as centuries went by, is still a source of fear and fascination. Zeus, the universe's supreme god, was yet again having one of his affairs. This time, the target of his lust was Semele, the daughter of the king of Thebes. The god descended to the earth, while hiding from his wife to sleep with Semele. Unlike his other affairs, Zeus appeared before his lover as a mortal being, but he never denied that he was an Olympian god. 
Semele had no reason whatsoever not to trust in this god, given that only a god could provide so many nights of sublime pleasure. One day, when waking up, Semele feels the warmth left by the god on the sheets of her bed. He probably had left minutes before, the princess thought. With a bright smile of someone who really had a stellar night, Semele leaves her bed and calls her maid Baroi. The old maid appears and helps her mistress to get dressed while she brags about her romantic adventure. But Semele never suspected that, actually, the old woman was the goddess Hera, disguised as her maid. The goddess sustains her wrath and, tired of being humiliated by Zeus, outlines a plan to punish the princess. The foe maid tries to question the real identity of Semele's lover. She declares that she perceives that the princess has a brief experience as a lover, and because of that, she is overwhelmed by her boyfriend's talent, and that she should try avoid being impressed, since this talent can be found in any lover who happens to be more committed. The princess starts to question the situation a bit more, but nonetheless she still believes in her lover, but she asks for the help of her maid to sort out this doubt. The maid tells her that she has to make Zeus swear that he'll present himself as he really is. Semele considers this to be a really wonderful idea. So, at night, when her lover returns, Semele asks him something. My love, I have never asked you anything, but I would like to ask you one thing now. Ask whatever you want, because I swear by the river Styx that I will not deny anything to my love. I want to see the Supreme God like he really is, in all of his glory. Zeus feels appalled by his lover's request, but since he had sworn that he would give her anything that she asked for, he could not deny it. The great god showed himself in all his splendor in front of the young princess, who felt marveled right from the beginning with her lover's brightness. But the bright and the heat emanated by the god become stronger and stronger and start to burn the poor mortal being. Already in flames and feeling her death closer, the poor girl thinks. What a fool I was for allowing the damn handmaid to plant the seed of distrust in my heart. From Semele, only a pile of ashes remained. However, Zeus perceives that there was life amid those ashes. It was a baby who was not fully constituted yet. Zeus opens a crack in his leg, specifically his thigh, and inside it he puts the tiny baby who was still alive. The god had already given birth to Athena through his head, so there was no reason that he could prevent him from delivering another son. Therefore, after some time, the child is born, who will be the only god born from a mortal mother. His name was Dionysus, the god of wine and feasts. Tandarius reigned over Sparta and owed his crown to Hercules, who had murdered his brother after his attempt to usurp the Spartan throne. The king of Sparta married a beautiful princess called Leda. She was so beautiful that she attracted the attention of Zeus, who started to desire the young queen. One day, Leda was refreshing herself at the banks of a stream when she spotted a beautiful swan doing ballet on the water. The girl was delighted with the creature's tremendous beauty. But suddenly, an eagle attacked the swan with its sharp claws. The beautiful bird dodged the attack, quickly moving towards the young queen who protected it. 
Lita found the bird's soft feathers amazing. But the naive princess didn't know that this beautiful swan was a bird-shaped Zeus. The great god, as a swan, mated with the young queen and laid his divine seed. After the bird's departure, Lita kept feeling lustful and looked for Tyndarius, her husband, and they both had a night of intense love. The queen was pregnant, and much to everyone's surprise, she hatched two eggs. One gave birth to Helen and Pollux, the children of Zeus, and from the other two emerged Castor and Clytemnestra, children of Tyndarius. Tyndarius made no distinction between the babies and raised all as his legitimate children. His descendants would leave their marks in Greek mythology. Clytemnestra would then marry Agamemnon, the greatest of all Greek kings. Castor and Pollux would be part of Jason's crew who would search for the Golden Fleece. Helen, in turn, would eventually become the world's most beautiful woman, being wanted by almost every king in Greece, and her abduction would be the trigger for the start of the Trojan War. After firming his power, Zeus falls in love with Titanus Metis, the goddess of prudence and wisdom. She tried to circumvent the advances of Zeus using all the means she could. Given that she had the power of metamorphosis, the goddess was able to transform herself into several animals to lose the great god. But Metis would not be capable of escaping Zeus forever. The god grabs her and turns her into his wife. She quickly gets pregnant and certainly would give birth to a wonderful divinity. However, the Oracle of Gaia lets Zeus know that the goddess will give birth to two children. The first will be a girl that will match her father in strength and sapience. The second will be a boy that will be even stronger than his father and will take the power from him. Zeus dreads the possibility of facing the same fate of his father Titan Cronus or of his grandfather the god Uranus who were both dethroned by their sons and, inspired by his father, Zeus asks to have Metis transformed into a drop of water. And so he swallows his pregnant wife, never giving her the chance to give birth. After swallowing his wife, Zeus starts to embody the gifts of goddess Metis. He is now a much more wise, fair, and less impulsive god. Time moves on and the powerful god starts to feel unbearable headaches. His head starts to grow in a frightening way. Zeus orders someone to open his head and remove the cause of such pain. Hephaestus, the god of the forges, uses an axe to open a fissure in the head of Zeus. From the god's hole in the head emerges Athena, with her armor and weapons, already a full-grown adult. Zeus is proud to give birth to such a remarkable creature who, because she had the intelligence of her mother, will become the goddess of wisdom. She will also be regarded as the goddess of defensive wars and, therefore, the clashes against Ares, the god of war, would be inevitable. Metis stays in Zeus's stomach, and so the prophecy of the couple's second son would never be fulfilled. Athena will present herself as a valiant, pure, fair, and sapient goddess, and so she will be regarded as Zeus's favorite daughter, and many will deem her as the rightful heiress to Zeus. Callisto was a beautiful princess, daughter of Lycaon, the king of Arcadia. Her beauty spellbound both men and gods. The girl became a lover of Zeus, and the boy Arcus was born from this union. The goddess Hera, Zeus's wife, 
after learning of yet another betrayal of her husband, decided to punish her rival. Hera cursed Callisto, and fur started to appear on the young princess's soft skin. Her delicate hands turned into paws with sharp claws. The princess tried to scream for help, but only a dreadful howl came out of her mouth. Callisto had been transformed into a great bear. The bear wandered through the forest. The princess stood on her two paws and begged Zeus to have her original shape back. But Zeus did not want to antagonize his wife and did nothing for Callisto. The bear was now roaming on the banks of the forest, next to where she lived, and hidden from everyone else, she watched her friends and relatives go on with their lives. Despite the fear of being sniffed by hunting dogs, she only risked her life to see her son Arcus grow. The little Arcus grew up believing that one day he would see his mother again. Time passed and one day, as the great bear wandered through the forest, she encountered a hunter who was her beloved son, whom she had not seen in a few years. The mother forgot she was a bear, stood up and tried to hug her son. He thought the bear was about to attack him and thrust his spear into the bear. But Zeus did not allow such a tragedy and intervened. The god transformed both mother and son into constellations. The mother's constellation became known by the name of Ursa Major, and her son's constellation was Ursa Minor. But the goddess Hera was furious to see her rival and her bastard son being honored in the skies, and convinced the sea deities Poseidon, Ocean, and Thetis not to shelter the constellations of Callisto and her son. Therefore, the constellations of Ursa Major and Ursa Minor crossed the heavens throughout the night without hiding in the sea waters for one single moment. Even then, Callisto's bliss would not diminish. Thus, she would spend eternity with her son. Zeus Lord of Thunder is that he was not one of the most faithful men out there and uh, I feel sorry for his wife. I actually um, I'm intrigued by her actions. It could be extreme at some point but um, another point it was okay but quick question though why Zeus decide to turn into a cow? You know he could have turned into anything an eagle, a dove, a I don't know, a kangaroo, but he decided I'm gonna be a majestic white cow. I don't know. I don't know if I was the only one who was questioning that. He three times became a cow and then the fourth time he turned a poor girl into a cow. It's so sad. But I hope you enjoyed today's story about Zeus and his very many lovers who sadly got their demise because of uh, his very angry, angry wife. And um, I hope to see you next time here in Care Alive. We might have another story time, we might have another interview, we might have another summary and overview story where I'll be doing the summary. I don't know. Just leave your comments down below. And uh, in the description either below or to the left, you'll find the links to my socials and the link to the social media platform of CU in history or mythology. So my name has been Kenzie Rock. And thank you loves for being part of Caroline. Happy Thanksgiving! <laughs>